Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners, founders, and executives from around the world about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. In today's episode, Eric Baum, founder and CEO of Blue Leads, joins the podcast to share the makeup of his team's sales organization. Eric shares his approach to building the Blue Leads sales org of today and the roles, responsibilities, comp plans, and performance benchmarks for his sales development team, or his SDRs, and his account executives. Eric then gets into how his sales org has been set up to drive revenue for the organization. We talk about the business development team's focus areas, the handoff criteria and qualification threshold for prospects, the places in which he builds for scale, and how he thinks about the sales team's role in fielding inbound leads versus outbound prospecting. We even get into the role of his customer success org and where and how they fit into the org's efforts in cross-selling and upselling existing clients. We wrap with a pandemic-driven experiment where Blue Leads offered sales development as a service with a team of SDRs dedicated to prospecting for his clients. Eric shares the genesis of this idea, how the team came to be, and the successes it drove for both Blue Leads and their clients. He then digs into the logistics, how the parameters of the service were defined, how he qualified fits amongst his client base, and how Blue Leads balanced both recurring and performance-based fees for the service. Let's build you a sales org with today's episode of Agency Unfiltered. Hey, Eric, welcome back to Agency Unfiltered. Uh, second time, I believe. Uh, repeat. You're, you, I didn't scare you off too, too much, I guess, the first go. But welcome to the show. Nah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Kevin. It's good to be back, man, as always. Um, I think uh, m- maybe I, I feel like a lot has changed since we last caught up. Well, in, in the world, sure. Um, but I would imagine with yourself and, and Blue Leads, uh, how, have the, how have the last couple of years been? Uh, with the team down in Tampa. Good. I mean, you know, it's been just pre-COVID since you and I have sat down, um, at least in person and, and spoken. And over the last couple of years, of course, like all of the agencies, we've gone through multiple different changes, right? With COVID hitting, you know, decrease in revenue, um, the de- decrease in in-person office staff, and the, all the challenges that go with today's current hiring marketplace. Um, there's been a ton of different things that have changed in the last two years. So we've adapted to that um, and we're continuously growing, which I'm very thankful for um, and looking forward to the future. That's great. Um, well, exciting to hear that the team keeps growing and, and the org keeps growing. Exciting news for sure. I think today uh, we're here to talk about uh, your team's sales efforts more than anything, uh, when, when we had chatted, uh, you have a sales team within your org chart uh, w- with some you know delineation of roles and responsibilities. Um, 
I think oftentimes questions do come up, you know, uh, especially for partners looking to grow. Hey, when do I start to make my my sales hires? How do I want to set that up? How do I want to balance, you know, uh, outbound or prospecting and, and just like biz dev efforts with, you know, the inbound marketing machine I'm trying to build too. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to get your perspective in, in, in all of that based on what you've been able to build. So let's start with the sales org, the sales team at Blue Leads today. What does that org chart look like and what roles fall under that umbrella? Yeah. So currently, uh, I'm going to tell you what we're currently doing and then I'll backtrack and tell you what we've done over the last couple of years that worked and didn't work. that got us to That's Quentin point, Tarantino right? style of filmmaking, right? You'll show us the <laughs> yeah. end and then we'll go backwards. That's right. So we currently have one sales hive, which is comprised of an SDR and an SAE, so a sales account exec, right? Um, as well as a sales director. And so we're currently, we're in the midst of hiring another sales hive and I'll get into you know, roles and responsibilities for them in, in a minute. But let me walk you through what we've done in the last couple of years that didn't work um, because I think that sets some context into why we're doing what we're doing currently. So pre-COVID, you know, we were on a tear. We were growing like crazy. We had um, three people in the sales department. We had two um, SAEs and my sales director. And we were asking those SAEs to both prospect, fill their pipeline with inbound leads through our own marketing efforts and sell and that didn't work. And so when COVID hit, um, we cut two salespeople and left our sales director in place because I had to make cuts right out of the gate. Sure. And yeah. said, okay, hey, they're not, they're not hitting quota. They're not doing exactly what we need them to do. We'll mm -hmm. take them off the table. My sales director is doing a phenomenal job. Leave him in play. And then, so we backtracked and understood what, was, what wasn't working. And we decided that having an SAE doing the job of both an SDR and an SAE um, was not effective. So mm -hmm. we then, after we got through the first three months of, you know, dealing with COVID and what that meant and getting some revenue coming back through the front door, we put in place an SDR. So sales development rep, right? In, in yep. HubSpot's world, it's a biz dev rep. So sure. biz BDR, we call them SDRs. And so we put in place an SDR to start filling the pipeline and setting meetings for Will, our sales director. And that worked. Um, and, and so that we, we were like, this is the winning formula. How then do we scale with that formula? Um, and, and that kind of led us into our current model of like, hey, we've got a sales hive with one SDR and an and a SAE. And now we're currently trying to hire for an un, another sales hive, another SDR and an mm -hmm. SAE. Does that make sense? That's 100%. Yeah. So basically, uh, putting those both as responsibilities for a singular sales rep, it, was, it, it wasn't effective. Um, and so we've seen a ton, we as in yourself, you, your group have seen success in splitting those up. That's great. Uh, as it relates to the SDR role, um, it sounds like they're, are they gold on appointments set? Is that, uh, or is there revenue targets for those folks as well? How are they, how are they measured? Yeah, so they're not currently, they are, they've got a very simple quota. So we tried this whole convoluted approach of like, <laughs> hey, we want to set pipeline and do all these things. 
We're like, you know what? That just is too much to worry about, right? It was like, we're tracking activity metrics and you have to talk to so many people and then you've got to set. And we're just like, look, I need five appointments set a week from an SDR. So we pay them a base salary, right? Very Mm -hmm. simple. This is a starter position. So we start off a base salary of 35K, not a lot of Mm -hmm. money, well below market value, right? But we bonus them $100 for every appointment set. So that puts mm. them on target earnings of, you know, 50 to 55 for the first year um, for an SDR. And our SDRs, so they're held to a five appointment a week quota. And yeah. the goal, we say, listen, give us a year of your time. And after the first nine months, we'll know if you're going to stay here or not. And at nine months, we're going to train you to be an SAE right? And a mm-hmm. sales account exec, because you can't ask an SDR to stay an SDR for more than a year or so, because they're going to sure. burn out and they're going to hate it, right? It's a cruddy mm-hmm. job. It's hard. You're faced with rejection and or no response all day long. So mm-hmm. when, we, when they come through the front door, we're like, this is the parameters. Here's what you got to do. You're going to have to bust your hump in order to, to hit this. But there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? And that's sure. the, the SAE role. Because that yeah, you're role, painting the picture of growth right right at the right. right at the gate right out of the gate. Yep, that's a great point. And so you know, at that point, then as an SAE, they get a big bump in salary, of course, and then a more commission based um, approach where they can basically triple their. It's like two times um, on target earnings than their salary mm. is. So they can they can make a significant amount of money as an SAE. Right. That's great. So it yeah. works out well. Um, that's awesome. Um, again, I would imagine that folks that are taking the position, yes, this is the early role you want to take if you're trying to build a career in sales. Uh, and we're already thinking about and putting time bound, you know, uh, benchmarks uh, for growth, which is great. What does the yeah. five appointments a week is kind of the, the baseline. Um, what is the like handoff criteria or like the, the gate, like the information you need to qualify or confirm to set those appointments. What do you, what do you look for these SDRs to validate with prospects? So that changes over time. An inexperienced SDR is looking for two main things. And and this, and I'm just talking about inbound leads right now, right? So we generate over a thousand um, leads a month for our own marketing efforts to come from mm-hmm. our website. And that's a lot. And so these people have already done things like download ebooks and that kind of stuff. So they've sure. expressed interest. And so we do, we use, you know, HubSpot Enterprise. So we're, we're setting up lead criteria to, to qualify and score these. And so only the, the more, more qualified MQLs are coming through to an SDR. Those SDRs mm-hmm. then look at, can we help this individual? And do they want our help? That's a basic SDR criteria. And if so, in that initial conversation, does it make sense to talk to our account executive and see if there's we're on the same page and, and further that discussion on helping you achieve your goals? If they mm-hmm. say yes, then we book that SDR books an appointment on the account exec's calendar and it moves to a discovery call with the SAE, right? Yeah. A more advanced SDR is going to go through that BANT or GPTC or whatever, you know, that criteria because mm-hmm. they're setting themselves up to be an SAE. So that's six to, to nine month period that they've been with us. They're looking at those criteria because they're saying to themselves, hey, I'm going to because at some point in that nine month era, 
we'll um, we'll allow them to start setting appointments for themselves and start mm. taking that transition into an SAE. So they're starting to get a little bit more sophisticated in their qualification criteria. That's really cool. So truthfully, what they are actually looking to uh, get out of the prospect or the inbound leads, it changes based on how far they have progressed in the role, right? As they start to think about and become uh, more prepared for taking a step into the AE role. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and the SAE will give them feedback along the way, right? They're gonna be like, hey, that was a cruddy lead. Don't give me any more. <laughs> and here's why that was a cruddy lead, right? So they're helping to train the SDR. Um, that's an interesting point. I don't know if I was, uh, I'm going to pull this thread. I don't know if it was the initial plan. Do you have to work through interpersonal conflicts or anything like that between BDR and a or SDR and SAE? Like, man, you know, I'm just, yeah, crud. I'm getting crud here, you know? <laughs> so um, we haven't recently, we haven't this year, that was a big issue for us. And I, I'm kind of jumping ahead. That was a big sure. issue for us when we built an outsourced SDR program and we had like 10 SDRs with an SDR mm. manager. Um, and those SDRs were calling and setting appointments on our client's behalf. That was a little bit more challenging and fraught with com- those conversations and um, and difficult to manage. Sure. So. Um, yeah, thanks for the great teaser, uh, about the outsource SDR program. Um, certainly we'll get to that in a moment. Um, you mentioned for the most part, um, thankfully based on just the growth and the success blue leads has had over time, there's a substantial amount of inbound leads that we're having these, uh, SDRs go through, uh, maybe this is part of the role progression as well, but do they start to also tie in and think about like, more outbound prospecting, cold calling, like are they sourcing their own uh, prospects? Does that ever fold in as well? So no, not yet. Um, however, the the second sales hive that we're currently hiring for now and we'll have in place in the next two weeks, um, that will be a completely outbound um, sales hive. So we've got enough lead gen right now to, to keep one sales hive humming along. Um, and, and so we'll, as we increase the in number of inbound leads from a thousand to 2000 leads a month, that'll support another sales hive, but in the interim, and the only way to truly scale without having to invest more marketing resources is to do outbound the sure. approach, right? Like, and this is, you know, completely anti inbound marketing, right. That I grew <laughs> up with HubSpot on, but the fact of the matter is, is, you know, we're a 26 person agency. I want to be a 500 person agency and I sure. can't get there fast enough by generating inbound leads. Um, so there's a couple levers I should say, like we haven't done paid advertising yet for our own mm. brand. So that's a lever to increase our inbound leads that we're going to pull on. But the next sales hive is completely going to be an ABM outbound approach. And that's going to be focused on our ICPs, so the ideal customer profiles, Right. Yep. With specific personas, we use Seamless to pull that list in, call that list, start generating our campaigns, start retargeting those and warming those um, pe- uh, clients up or prospects up with yep. out, like advertising and then retargeting. And then the SDRs are going to call on that. Now, there's a twist to this, too, because that outbound SDR and um, SAE, that sales hive is going to be. F- half focused on selling HubSpot software 
and half focused on services. So our goal at Blue Leads, and uh, Smartbug's going to hate me when I say this, but to be <laughs> the top HubSpot partner agency, right? Like I love Jen Spencer. She's awesome. Yeah. And Ryan, they're great. But like, you know, this is a competitive marketplace and I want to be the top agency. The only way to sure. get there. They're not going to fault you for that. On... No partner should. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I, I want to, uh, I'm focused on like outbound sales of HubSpot software and services along with that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, so the name of the game here is obviously driving as much revenue as we can for the business uh, and just really trying to channel growth. And so you hadn't even mentioned it. How do we scale this out and how do we, you know, fill the plates of this sales team uh, to maximize its impact? And so, yeah, you know, the one hive, uh, can go through our inbound leads. But if we want to have a second growth hive, there's not, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're filling their plates accordingly too. So we're doing ABM, we're doing outbound. And so it's, it's, I mean, like scale points almost, right? And maybe the first one was actually we have to split biz dev and account exec functions entirely. Next one is, oh, now let's fold in uh, more targeted, you know, account-based marketing or, or cold, you know, outsource, whatever. Um, are you what? What else are you considering as future scale points? You have lofty ambitions, yeah. which is awesome. Are you, are you starting to think about and forecast what additional scale points there are for this? Yeah, we already have it mapped out. So Q three, our set our 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 org chart, I guess sales org chart will be an inbound um, sales hive, an outbound sales hive, potentially a third outbound sales hive. Our sales director. Will is going to be solely focused on cultivating and expanding our HubSpot direct sales reps, um, those relationships, because sure. all the top tier partners, you know, leverage that channel. Our do you guys do that today? You said cultivate. Is that do you have how would you how would you categorize your relationship with HubSpot reps today? Where is it today? Not enough. So, sure. well, um, is it ever enough though? Too, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. We've got a great relationship with a handful of uh, HubSpot direct reps, um, but you know, there's hundreds of HubSpot direct reps, and so we're really going to be a pushing into expanding that relationship. Right now, Will's handling those relationships, but his it, his job is not solely focused on that, and yep. it will by primarily in Q3 be focused on that. And then Brittany, who is our um, director of partner services. So we do, you know, we've got accreditations with HubSpot. So we do part, HubSpot mm -hmm. partner onboarding, um, a couple other, you know, HubSpot training programs, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we haven't done a good enough job leveraging that client base and upselling that client base. So sure. her sole focus, in addition, I should say, in addition to growing her department, is going to be upsells for that department. And then we're going to train um, our team leads on client services to really identify more client upsells. So currently we do about twenty to $25,000 a month in upsells from our current existing client base. Mm. But when I look at client services, partner services, HubSpot direct sales reps, inbound, outbound, another outbound, maybe even another inbound, like there's a whole lot of quota that I can associate with each one of those channels for sure that I should be able to hit our growth goals from. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it's really just, all right, uh, uh, let's lay out, you know, the diversity of revenue streams that we have here. And then what can we do to take each to the next level? Um, you'd mentioned cross sells and upsells. Great point, by the way, right? It's like, hey, if we we're building relationships uh, you mentioned accreditations through these other programs. Are the 
are the account managers or like the services team folk are they responsible for the cross sell and upsell motions? Yeah, so they used to be, and sure. um, so we had some rock stars that were great at, at upselling our existing client service or clients. And, and then we got so busy that our client services team was just playing catch up and they didn't really have enough time to pick their head up out of the sand to identify new opportunities. And so, and, and they certainly didn't have, we hadn't had enough resources to train them on how to sell upsells, how to sell HubSpot software. So what we've done in the interim is say, listen, we're going to bonus you client services mm. team. And all you have to do to or earn that bonus, which is a commission type bonus yeah. is raise your hand. When you see an opportunity for HubSpot upsell or service upsell with your existing client, raise your hand, tell the salesperson that owns that account that, Hey, this is an opportunity. Bring the salesperson back in. The salesperson owns the life cycle of that client, right? So yeah, now totally. an SAE is primarily focused on driving net new revenue. They're a hunter, right? But yep. there now can be a farmer aspect to it. And and really, you know, you look at the flywheel, right? It's really truly taking the entire flywheel into account. And, and I want to, I as an owner want to compensate the client services because, sure. hey, without them, they're the lead gen, right? Right. But I also don't want to. They're the biz dev on the services side, right? It's services. (laughs) That's exactly right. They're setting up sell appointments, right? It's like, yeah, it's the other side. Totally. But I pay full commission to the salesperson as well, because I don't want to take anything out of anybody's pockets. I want more revenue, right? Of course. I don't want to be stingy and be like, well, if it comes from over here, you only get half your commission. Well, you don't want to decentivize. Uh, the services team in identifying these opportunities and actually help driving it forward. Right. Um, So that makes a ton of sense. And uh, to be honest, I mean, it sounds like even going back to like, yeah, all right, we need a separate uh, SDR function. We need to split from AE and that's creating bandwidth for them to take on a more farming type role with existing clients, right. Rather than just the hunting role that you mentioned. So again, you start to see some of the dependency or like the, the ripple effect of, of resourcing this way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Quick question as it relates to building those highly coveted relationships with HubSpot reps. Uh, you know, and you certainly I'm sure Blue Leads wants to keep their secret sauce. But if you ask, if you pull uh, a thousand partners, a thousand of them will say they want to build more and stronger relationships with HubSpot reps. Any tips, tricks, recommendations? How did you get your foot in the door building those relationships? Yeah, so this is hard. And there's a lot of other partners that have done this. Um, better than us, quite frankly, you know, new breed revenue river, revenue river is called something else. Now I think inbound cycle or something like mm-hmm. revenue river, smart bug. They've all had um, they've, an impact. They've done a better job of cultivating these relationships than we have in the past. But what's worked for us at least is when someone does come to us and say, Hey, we need help with a partner. Can you do? Absolutely. We'll do whatever we need to, to, help service that client. Now it's got to be within parameters, right? Like you can't give away free services. That's against, um, that's against our partner agreement with HubSpot, but like we can bend over backwards and do whatever we can to help that sales rep close that deal up. Right. I will give away some of my profit margin on the services side of things to assist sales reps. Without a doubt, because most of the time they're coming to us in the last week of the month or the last two weeks of the quarter. Yeah, there's like, urgency. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I got to get right. this done. And we're like, right. we set everything else aside. Absolutely. Whatever we got to do, let's make it happen. And especially with new direct sales reps, a lot of new direct sales reps are still inexperienced. So we'll get on the on the call. We'll help demo stuff, right? We'll give mm-hmm. them case studies of here's what we've done in the past. And and that helps this that direct sales rep close stuff up. I mean, it's again, uh, you know, how do we drive a remarkable customer experience, but the customer is the HubSpot sales rep and, you know, like, all right, how can we really drive the most value? Uh, and it sounds like, Hey, you know, in the short term, maybe there's a trim to our profit margins, but the anticipation is that it will yield a much fruitful relationship over time. So I feel that makes sense as well. Yeah, absolutely. And keep in mind, like, you know, we're very similar to a software company in that there's, you know, a lean and expand strategy with us, right? So whether it's a small sure. project for $3,000 or a larger, you know, retainer client at $10,000, there's, if it's, you know, there's always more opportunity for us to make money three, six, 12 months down the road. So whatever we got to do to get business through the front door immediately, I'm completely down with. Uh, again, we talked about uh, the services qualified lead motion, right? And yeah, just uh, intentionality behind cross-selling and upselling, right? There's, yes, revenue opportunities to be had. Uh, Eric, you had teased this. I think it's time for us to get there. Uh, you had uh, packaged and began offering outsourced SDR services for your clients. Uh, give me the download. Give our listeners the download. Uh, what was the genesis of that? Uh, and then how did you? how did it come to be? How did you spin it up? Yeah, so this is um, a, a service offering by accident that we failed at, but I truly believe is the way of the future. So I'm, I'm going to say that up front. It, the <laughs> genesis was when COVID hit, I had to lay off nine out of my 35 people or nine, 36 people, like mm-hmm. in the first um, few weeks. We lost like 25% of our recurring revenue in a two-week p- period. Yeah, I have brutal. lived through the recession 12 years ago. Um, and so I, and I made all the wrong choices back then. And so this go round, I was like, well, I know all the stuff not to do. I'm going to do the exact opposite. So like I had to cut people right out of the gate. But that being said, I got, I was able to get a PPP loan, which, mm-hmm. you know, about a month into the, um, into the pandemic and, and through that, it required me to bring back on those nine individuals. Now, we didn't bring back on all of those nine individuals. Um, and it actually required me to bring back a few more because of the parameters and when the timeline laid out. It's like you needed 36 employees. And I was like, sure. okay. So I had funding. So what I did, we had a couple of clients ask us to be, hey, can you call on my leads and set appointment? Well, that's not what we do. But I told Will, I was like, sell it. Here's what we're going to do. And so I was like, I need to bring people on. Let me work the numbers out. I'll figure this out. So long story short, we had we got up to about a 10-person outsourced SDR team where we were doing, we built out the playbooks, the script, the battle cards, all that for an outbound SDR program. And we charged our clients $6,000 a month for a dedicated full-time SDR. We would mm-hmm. find... You know, we'd look at their ICP. We would find that list. We would make outbound calling. Um, we charged a hundred dollars for an appointment set and held, right? And we had a completely outsourced, and we were selling those things like hotcakes. I mean, we really? got up to a ten-person team inside of three months, uh, which was really quick. 
um, yeah. and got really unwieldy to be able to manage that. However, the, the, the demand is there. And, and we didn't do a good enough job identifying the right clients for this service. We were just taking everybody. I was like, drive revenue. Yeah, any request that came pandemic. in, anything we can, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I will tell you, we had an SDR manager. He flaked out and left like unexpectedly. Um, and, and so that left us to a point where like, wow, you know, Will's trying to generate new revenue, our sales director right. for our own brand. And so it got to the point where I slowly let that, that program die on the vine because the managing of the SDRs needed a full-time person. We couldn't find the sure. right person. Um, yeah. So ultimately we just, it took about six months or so before all of our clients, we didn't renew them and, um, and we let that die. That being said, next year, that's on the roadmap for us to launch. Without a doubt, yep. it is. Bringing it back. Yep. Yeah. I mean, to give you an example, and I don't have to give you all the numbers, but our, our <laughs> gross margin was 54% per rep wow. for that, and, which is great if you yeah. got somebody to manage all these people. Well, of course. Which right. You did. Yeah. You needed like departmental, you know, leadership. Um, understood. You'd mentioned uh, for the fee, and then there was like a performance base, like there's a recurring fee. Then there was like the performance base, like the commission for every meeting book. Uh, is it, was it an alignment of one outsourced SDR per client? Would these folks be involved in multiple accounts? How was like the, how did you fill their plates based on the demand? You're yeah. Getting? So, so that 6,000 a month was for a dedicated full-time SDR on their account. Um, we it. toyed with doing half you know, people were like, well, I don't want to do a full SDR. So we gave them like, okay, you could have a half of an SDR. But the, <laughs> the problem is, is like learning that business for the SDR and then cycling fast enough. A half SDR just wasn't enough. You couldn't be effective. You had to, right. somebody had to do it full time in order to start hitting that, that quota. And, and I will tell you, like, we took on wrong fit clients for this too, um, because they're just like, yeah, give us an SDR. We'll take it. You're setting appointments. Um, mm -hmm. We found the best fit clients are software companies, tech companies. Somebody that has a high lifetime value or high initial price value of a client, right? It can't be, you know, we had one client come to us um, that was selling masks for the pandemic, customized masks for the pandemic. And yeah. we had taken them as a client. And and they were a great company and a, and a truly great mission. Um, but, you know, they, this was a separate piece of their business. But, like, that was a bad fit for us. We had a really difficult time selling those. There wasn't enough yeah. price point high enough to make sense, right? Sure, sure. Well, I would imagine, like, more that, that feels a little B2C, right? B2B is probably, right, the, the, the right flow for this. Um, yep. And I would imagine too, uh, criteria, okay, do you have a buttoned up, do they, the client, have a buttoned up sales process? Is it templated, right? Do they know what to do with the appointment? Is it consistent each time an appointment gets set? Can they reliably close these meetings? Like all of that stuff, I would imagine, plays a plays a major factor. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. That was, we, we jumped the gun. Everybody wanted a, a perfect fix for generating new sales and they thought it was the SDR program when many times their sales process was broken and that needed to sure. be fixed first. 
I think a lot of our partners feel that too, not through just this type of service offering, but you know, a, a traditional marketing engagement, you know, all you can do is drive the the leads and the the new contacts. But again, if there's not a buttoned up sales process on the other side, it's going to be real hard to attribute revenue to those activities, right? So, okay, well, let's talk about the sales process. Right? Um, how how difficult or what, how did you like onboard these SDRs onto the client business, right? Like how, how deeply were they folded in? How, how, you know, were they included in sales meetings for the client? You know, like how, how much, um, how deep did they go into these clients' businesses? If that makes sense. That's, I think the question I want to ask. Yeah, not, not that deep. Um, and we did. So initially we were like, well, you need to learn everything there is a, to know about this, this client's business. You need to be a semi-expert on it. And that just didn't work. I mean, the reality is the only thing they need to do is qualify that lead and then book the appointment for the salesperson. They sure. don't need Let's to not over-engineer this, much. right? What's the, yeah. Yeah, what's the criteria? And we will, yes, sure. Because it's volume most of the time. And they're not talking to a prospect for more than five minutes, 10 minutes at, a, at most. And so- we didn't want them to get to a position where the prospects asking them questions about the business, because then we had to take that extra time and train that SDR. Um, and that's not value. There's no value. The value is smile and dial, email, connect social, set appointment. That's the value, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not being right. an expert on their business. Right. Yeah. Let's not overcomplicate. Let's not overengineer uh, how they, what they need to be successful in that role. Uh, you had mentioned there was performance-based fees that would come back. Does that go to the SDR on your team? Like, do they get a slice uh, of like that commission as well? Yeah. So we did, you know, hundred dollar booked appointment, booked and held appointment, and we'd give the SDR fifty of that, Sweet. right? Yeah. Um, so in retrospect, you know, if I it, when we change this next year, we're probably going to increase the percentage of giving back to the SDR. Um, mm. And be a, a little bit more generous there because um, I think there's more incentive for that, and the profit margin is there for us. You know, maybe yeah. maybe our gross margin is then 45, percent um, but that's a scalable model, and and they'll be happy because they'll be making the money they need to make, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, and then uh, was this you? You felt a ton of demand. I think you mentioned Will was getting a ton of requests. Yeah, sell it. Uh, was it? Uh, did you start new client engagements with this? Was this like an upsell amongst your existing client base? Where, or maybe both, right? But where was the interest primarily coming from for this? Yeah, so it was both. Um, we had, you know, half of those clients were SDR only clients um, because in the discovery process for us, they're like, we need more lead gen, blah, blah, blah. We don't have time to build an inbound machine because we're very transparent in the sales process. We're like, look, hey, if you're starting from scratch on inbound marketing, it's going to take three, six, nine months to build up to a point where you're really generating enough leads to support your sales team, right? Content mm -hmm. takes time. And they're like, no, give me leads now. We're like, well, you can plug in this SDR program. So half of our clients were initial um, like net new prospects and SDR clients only. The other half were existing clients. We said, hey, we've got this new service. They're like, yes, plug me in, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they were really cool about the fact that like, hey, you know, we still kept those clients even after we shut the SDR program down. Because in fact, many times we'd say, 
hey, we started this new program. You can have this dedicated SDR, but guess what? We'll train, we'll help to train your SDR. We did it in a transition period. We'll do this for Mm. three months, right? And then you can bring it in-house. We'll train, we'll give you the scripts, the battle cards, all the stuff that we're using, and we'll train your team on how to do it. So we did that with a few of our clients and that worked out really well. That's really cool. Yeah, it's almost like, hey, as a stopgap versus, you know, and then how do we set you up to take this in-house? Yeah, that's great. Um, Eric, as we wind down here, I know we're coming up on time. Uh, you had mentioned a few things that are top of mind when you plan to relaunch this, uh, the percentage we'd offer, uh, uh, the SDRs, uh, who the right type of clients are and what they need to have to be a fit for this service. Any other things swirling in your head when, when this comes back out? Yeah, I think, um, finding the right people is the hard part. Um, because, and and giving them, we didn't have a fully baked out career path for these Mm. individuals, right? It wasn't like in our SDR program that we have for blue leads. It's one thing I didn't mention. It's like, Hey, at that nine month mark, you can move into an SAE or you can move into a marketing role or something else on the client Mm. services. So there's just general mobility, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that they don't get burnout. And so on the outsourced SDR program, we didn't have that. We were just hiring, you know, smile and dial people, get them through the front door, get them grinding. And so we're going to be much more, we're going to be more intentional um, next year when we start hiring and building this department out. Say, here's the, the one to three year career path for you. If this makes sense, sit in this seat for nine to 12 months, and then you get moved over here. Um, because I really believe that, you know, after a year being in an SDR position, you just want to bang your head against the wall yeah. and call it quits. Yeah, know? it's a grind. Absolutely. It so is. It sounds like be mindful, just what you laid out uh, as to how you talk about the SDR function with folks that join the team, right? Uh, sounds like similar mindfulness to the progression in the mobility opportunities for, for this role too. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yes, uh, smile and dial. It's uh, it can be a grind for sure. It'll get to you. It'll get to you. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you've, you've answered this question before. Uh, we wrap every episode with it. So we'll see if the answer has changed. Uh, what is the strangest part of agency life? Oh man. You know, I, I forgot this was coming. Um, I would say, Right now, the strangest part of agency life is the hiring process, finding qualified people. Um, it's completely changed for us. Yeah. You know, we used to have a 10 step hiring process that lasted about two weeks. And now we've got a mandate that we've got to have an offer in somebody's hands no later than 72 hours, in many cases, yeah. 48 hours. And so the strangest part is given that um, shortened hiring process, sometimes we make the wrong call. Sure. And the, the things that come out of that um, has created some strange situations and some challenging, um, you know, situations for us and, and, and our team. So like, I want to go back to the old way where it's like, Hey, we got a couple of weeks to make our choice. And right. Let's nail it. Let's people. make sure we're making the right call. Let's be thorough. Let's sure. You know, 
Um, and that was probably yeah. the case like a couple years back, right? Of the, That was the prescribed method. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's the strangest thing for us. Everything else we've, we've gotten, we've nailed down pretty well um, over the last few years. I got a great team, um, but the hiring process, and thankfully, like I've got a full-time uh, head of HR and recruiting, like she's just out every single day sourcing and hiring people. Um, so like, that's good. It's, it's easier for us, but it's still a challenge. Right, right. Yes. Uh, ease is still subjective or contextual to the general <laughs> difficulty that it's, you know, so that's fair. Uh, Eric, yeah. uh, I think we're out of time. Thanks so much for coming back on the show, for talking us through your sales team. Uh, looking forward to hear more. Looking forward to hearing more uh, about what that outsource team looks like in the new year. So best of luck with everything. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks, Kevin. And as always, if anybody listening to this has follow-up questions, I am always happy to hop on a call and you know tell them what I've learned not to do and some of the things that work well for us. Yeah. And you know, I think uh, I don't always like to hear what folks did that didn't go so well. I'm sure you want everyone to nail those things, uh, but it's it's helpful and valuable content. Uh, so hopefully, some some folks tune in and take you up on that on that offer. Uh, well, Eric, thanks again. And for folks that have tuned in. This has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.